welcome back to the next episode of the For Dog's Sake podcast. As always, you've got me, Louise Campbell Pearson, founder of Canine Friends here, and the lovely Jay Gurdon, founder of Blue Mel Minion, and I also run Good Guardianship. Again, today we think we've got a lovely topic for you. We thought it'd be something that you guys would find really useful, and that is top tips for recall. Now, it, as a trainer, it is something I get asked a lot, and it's something that people struggle with a lot particularly through the adolescent phase because you get that puppy that initially follows you and is really interested you and you're its world and then suddenly realizes the world around them isn't so scary it's actually really interesting and they stop wanting to come back so we've got some little tips for you today to hopefully help you on your journey to achieving a pretty good recall with your dog so first of all i want to introduce something to you if you haven't already heard it the rule of three or what i like to call the rule of three jay's very familiar with the rule of three or what i deem as it to be the rule of three because she re- heard a lot about it when she was reviewing my puppy course <laughs> so jay's very familiar with what i deem is the rule of three you may well have heard of it before but different people coin it in different ways now what i like to do with the rule of three is it's a way of controlling you not over saying a word now i'm going to explain a little bit what i mean by this imagine each word has its own savings account and the aim of the game with that word is to build up as much savings as you can now in the context of recall say your recall command is come if every time you say luna come and the dog is successful and therefore gets a treat you're then paying into your savings account if every time you say luna come and your dog doesn't listen and therefore doesn't get rewarded, you're not giving them a treat and therefore withdrawing from their savings account. The aim of the game is to add into the savings account as much as possible and minimize and limit the amount of times you're withdrawing from the savings account. Inevitably, you are going to have some withdrawals because you cannot particularly in the training stage, guarantee that every single time you say the recall command that your dog's going to listen and I guarantee you almost that they won't listen every single time. However, What the rule of three does is limit the amount of times you are saying it without the dog responding. So say, for example, I was out on a walk with Luna and I go, Luna, come and she ignores me. I'm going to count from three to five seconds before saying it again. And then I'm going to go, Luna, come for a second time. And I'm going to count for three to five seconds before saying it a third time. If she's still not responding, I'm going to say it a third and final time. Luna, come. And if she isn't responding at that point, I'm just going to stop. That is so we are not having 5, 10, 15, 20 withdrawals by going, Luna, come, 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 which you hear some owners do come over and over again. I mean, we always hear it out and about. I don't know if you guys remember that YouTube video, Fenton. Oh, who can't remember Fenton? (laughs) You don't want a Fenton dog. (laughs) That was funny. But, you know, it basically limits the amount of times that we're saying that word and it therefore being unsuccessful and therefore withdrawing from the savings account, which therefore holds a value over the word for the dog or maintains a value over the word for the dog. Because the more that dog hears a word and it means guaranteed high value reward to them, the more they're going to want to engage with it and listen. The rule of three is a way of limiting it. So don't say a command more than three times. Leave it three to five seconds in between to give them a chance to think about it. And after that, stop. Come back to it. Come back to it in your next training session if it's a specific training session. Come back to it in you know a minute if you're out on a walk. Grab that long line so they can't also rehearse 
running off. However, don't keep saying the recall command for them to therefore ignore you because it's just becoming a lower value option for you, for them to do. And the world around them is becoming a much more valuable option and therefore ignoring you is being rewarded. And the other excellent thing that that the rule of three does help is you say you get the people who go, come, come, come. And if you keep doing that enough to the dog the cue stops being come it becomes come 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 and it just goes on and on and on with the cue kind of mutating Mm -hmm. for them yeah because you know it'll end up being something else you end up saying what's this or something that then the dog responds to and actually the come isn't even responded to itself anymore see that that is a fantastic point because we tend to forget especially as dogs get older that conditioning learning is happening all the time whether actually we mean it to in that moment or not which is why you have to be so careful on what you reinforce because you know what you reinforce what you reward will get repeated Mm -hmm. but it can be very easy to slip your timing a little bit so you're actually rewarding the wrong thing or your cues emerging together or something happens in a situation where the dog forms an association and we might not even realize until it's kind of too late and we're, we're dealing with yeah, sort of clearing up what's happened to our cues. Quick note on timing as well. One, a really good example of where saying the wrong thing in the wrong time causes confusion. Uh, a, an example of someone who is walking along the road with their dog charging up the road, pulling them along, pulling the do- like the, uh, the dog is pulling the owner down the road by pulling them over almost, and the owner is screaming, "Heel, heel, heel, heel!" Now every single time that dog in its life has heard "heel" when it's been pulling, and that dog's thinking. I bloody am doing heel. Because <laughs> it's every time, every time that that's the only time they've ever heard it. They don't know what it means. And they're going, yeah, I am. <laughs> so that's a really good example, I think, of kind of a placement of word and timing as well with training to kind of say, like, that's not achieving what you want it to do. The dog doesn't know what it means unless you've taught it in the context of it actually performing that actual action. Absolutely. I mean, it would be so easy if they could understand English, wouldn't it? If they could actually understand what a word means. A word means nothing to to the dog. It's just a sound that has come to be associated with an action. I always say to my clients, it could be any word. It honestly doesn't matter. You could be saying bananas and that could mean sit. It it really, it doesn't matter. Whatever, it's whatever you've taught the dog means with that. I mean, how many dogs probably think their name is no? (laughs) Loads, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, 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 no. I mean, we're getting into other topics here, but, you know, think about what it is you're actually trying to teach rather than just saying no, which means nothing to the dog or just means something like, They might even think it's their name. (laughs) You may have heard me say before on my social media or on my puppy course, if you've watched it, dogs are not robots. We cannot control their every move and we shouldn't expect to control their every move. Give them time to work it out. Sometimes they aren't just, they're just not sure. Lots of owners make the mistake of thinking that their dog is being stubborn or defiant or refusing to listen in that moment and often it's actually that they're a bit confused there was something distracting going on and they didn't quite hear you there's so many reasons as to why our dogs could take more than an instant second to respond 
And equally, placement of when you're asking for a dog to come back is also very, very important. If they're in the middle of a sniff, you know, and, and you're in the process of teaching the recall command, don't ask for it then. Make it easy for them. Make it easy for you. Wait for them to finish the sniff. Why are you recalling them back from a sniff if they're right next to you or near you? You don't need to. Wait for them to finish the sniff, then call them back. They've had their good sniff and a bit of enrichment and break, you know, mental stimulation, a bit of de-stress, decompression. Let them finish that. You call them back. They get rewarded. It's a win-win. Yeah, that is such a good point about setting expectations and not stacking the deck against yourself. You know, set them up for success because they'll learn best if they just learn what is expected to make it as easy for them as possible dogs like to be successful they they get disencouraged or disincentivized when you make it too hard for them and they don't easily succeed a bit like us really we work well when we're doing well if we do something and it's successful we want to do it more if we're finding it too difficult and it's getting frustrating and we're not enjoying it we're less likely going to want to do it the same is for dogs yeah Absolutely. Something you did just mention in in that section leads me on very nicely to my first point, which is you've got your recall started and you're out in the big wide world. And there comes that terrifying moment when your puppy is loose in the world. Uh oh. (laughs) Yeah. Uh oh. It's something, it really makes people nervous. And there is just such a fantastic and simple tool that can make that so much easier and I absolutely love them is a long line yeah I, I just I even when my dogs are older if I'm in a situation where I mean, obviously my my dog is a little bit complex because there are many things that he's scared of so I use a long line with him because I have a connection with him in case things go wrong could you just explain to our listeners uh, what a long line is because some people get confused between an extendable lead for example and a long line yeah yeah um A long line is, it's basically a long length of line. It's the simplest way to explain it. It's a line that is long. It's a very long line. (laughs) Yes. Um, Yeah, I know a lot of people do like the extending leads. I'm not a fan of them. No, me neither. I have seen dogs that have got loose and have bolted off with the handle of the extending lead bouncing behind them and making things worse as they go. Yeah, I mean, a long line is essentially a trailing lead. It's on the floor most of the time. It's a long lead, but you just leave it on the floor. Essentially, yeah. I mean, it can be as long as you need it to be. I have used horse lunge lines. Um, So, you know, I think the ones that I've got now, I've got one that is 20 feet long and I've got the other one I think is 30 feet long for me and I, I I'm really bad with um different forms of kind of metrics and things but 10 meters is what I have I don't know where that sits in the 20 to 30 foot <laughs> that's that's about the 30 foot yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's I like a 10 one. meter um when yeah. is is my kind of go-to and then you can use shorter ones as you kind of progress if you want to as well yeah I mean, you can also you sort of, you learn the skills of handling the long lines i mean my standard lead that i use now is five meters anyway um because i you know i've got very used to bringing the lead in and letting it out that can be intimidating until you get used to it but for recall training and sort of going out into the wider world yeah you can have that long line always attached to a harness never a collar you never want to attach a long line to a collar because if the dog goes to run and you have to stop them that can do all kinds of damage to their necks, which is really not good. It's like wearing a seatbelt around your neck rather yeah. than across your body. Yeah, so for a long line, you're always going to want a well-fitted harness for it to attach to. But then, you know, if it does look like they are going to disappear into the wide blue yonder after something exciting, you can just lean down and grab it or you can stand on it. And it just allows you to control the factors around you 
so that you are set up for success. And if you get into a situation where there is something that has got the dog distracted and they're not going to come, going back to your rule of three, don't dilute it by keep trying to get them to recall. If the situation calls for it, pick up the long line and you can actually shorten the rope up and sort of bring them back into you without diluting the cue. It's a really, really great tool. And, and, and in unless you are one of those people that has one of those dogs, and they do ha- they do happen, and that just isn't interested in, in really anything. They're not interested in other dogs. They don't really ever go far from you. These dogs are few and far between, but it does happen. If, like me, you don't have one of those dogs, a long line is your best friend. And you are which Jay will talk a bit more about, but you are controlling and conditioning. You're controlling the environment and you're conditioning the dog. You're, and through using the long line, you have control because without that, the dog can go run off, find it really self-rewarding and not want to come back, which we will all talk about as well in, in another one of these topics. But uh, Jay's going to talk a little bit more about long lines before we move on. Yeah, I mean, I, I had a perfect example. Last night, actually, I took my dog out. He's an adult. His recall is pretty good. But we came around a corner and we saw the bunnies. Not the bunnies. The bunnies. <laughs> the bunnies. Uh, he has quite a prey drive. So he was, I'm off. You know, I'm, I'm after those bunnies. And Prey drive if I had pretty it, much says what it is on the tin really it is yeah yeah he, he just he just wanted to eat the bunnies yeah <laughs> yeah sorry bunnies <laughs> <laughs> you know i feel sorry for thumper and co but he doesn't yeah. thumper and co <laughs> <laughs> but yeah because i use a, a long lead uh I, you know, I wasn't worried about letting him off because it was starting to get dark anyway but I, I could i could just stand on the line and stop him going away and out of my sight because there was no way i was going to be able to recall him off those bunnies so i didn't try because i just would have ended up diluting the queue and also so that's a very good uh, we're kind of touching on other ways that you can use the long line as well it's great if you've got a dog that's reactive that you you don't feel comfortable or isn't safe to let them off the lead but you want them to have a bit of freedom you just keep hold of that long line so that you've always got that safety there um, and it's a way of giving them a little bit of freedom when perhaps perhaps otherwise you wouldn't that that's exactly the reason why why i use use it with finn because he is very good with his recall but there's always the concern that you're out somewhere and something might come around the corner that might upset him so all the while I've got the long line on if I need to I can gather him back in close to me and then make distance from his trigger to keep everybody safe and happy and in terms of long line use and how to use them and when to use them I have actually just launched an online recall course which covers all of this long line use controlling the environment all of the tips that you will hear in today's podcast are covered in my online recall course in detail and it's all video based lessons so easy to follow you get lifetime access you can access it on your mobile or your laptop there's course quizzes there's a certificate of completion there's lots so if you aren't sure about any of these things and you want to see it in action you can do so there if it's anything like your puppy course it will be fantastic it is the recall module from the puppy course it is that oh in that case yeah. then it is fantastic i have seen it and yeah yeah, yeah. Whole, if you have a puppy buy louise's puppy course because it is wonderful thank you jay yeah so the the recall course in the puppy course it's exactly the same as what you would do with an adult dog and I just decided to sell it as a standalone course because 
it was missing a big audience of people that could find it helpful with adult dogs that maybe didn't want or even people with puppies that didn't want need um all of the other stuff that's in the puppy course which is like over 100 videos but but wanted to do that so i decided to launch it as a standalone course um jay has actually peer reviewed it herself <laughs> yes and it is excellent you bring up a really interesting point there um something that that so many people don't necessarily realize is it doesn't matter how old your dog is learning happens in the same way Mm -hmm. just we tend to focus on training puppies because that's what you do you train puppies but you you can teach you can definitely teach an old dog new tricks and you do it exactly the same way as you do a puppy also puppies it's always viewed as learning and dogs it's viewed as problem behaviors But if your dog hasn't been taught in the right way or it hasn't been continually reinforced through puppyhood and into adult dog life, then it isn't a problem behavior. It's just something that they haven't continued to learn or haven't effectively learned and haven't been effectively incentivized to want to continue to do it. Mm. You've hit on one of my least favorite phrases there of problem behavior, but I shall refrain from getting on my soapbox. Yeah, not today. They're not not problem behaviors, (laughs) they're natural behaviors, but we'll touch on that another time. Next up in our top tips for recall, we've got, I just want to talk about what we call self-rewarding. You may hear this term thrown about a lot by trainers. You might not know what it actually means. So I'm going to tell you what it actually means and kind of how to not do it or how to use it in the context of training, basically. So when your dog is running off, say they've not got a long line, you're not doing recall training, they're kind of running off and they're playing with three other dogs and they're about 20 meters 30 meters away and you're calling them back they are doing what we're calling self-rewarding in that point that is a self-rewarding behavior it's something that they have done that is rewarding to themselves now if you're competing with that self-rewarding behavior it's unlikely you're going to win if that is all they're ever doing is self-rewarding you're never giving them opportunities to come to you and be rewarded or give them an alternative behavior that's also rewarded so it can't it might just not be play it might be chasing birds it might be chasing squirrels jay have you got any other kind of examples of of self-rewarding behaviors um eating poo following a sniff eating poo eating poo yeah eating poo yeah like following a, a scent you know there's all these kind of things that are natural by the way and aren't to be discouraged however if your dog is only ever self-rewarding and isn't being given opportunities to to come back and and your dog's never going to make the choice to to come away from that in the moment when you're trying to call them so what we do is control the environment which is what jay was touching on in the last tip and we use a long line basically so instead of your dog going off running off when it sees another dog and self-rewarding during play you're going to start to use the long line to prevent them from doing that calling them back to you instead because you've used the long line they can't get to the other dogs they haven't got the option to self-reward so the only option to get rewarded is to come back to you and therefore get rewarded then what you can do is when that dog comes into your world and i normally say to owners the world is the circumference of your long line so if your long line is 10 meters you've got a 10 meter radius all around you in the form of a circle which is your world if the dog comes into your world to play with your dog that's okay and you can even use a verbal cue okay or go play and then that's a signal to the dog that they are allowed to go and play you keep hold of that long line you allow your dog to play and when they are when you're ready to move on from from play you then call them back 
because you've got hold of that long line, you can control this environment. So instead of your dog continuing to self-reward in that moment, you've got hold of the long line you're giving them you're not really giving them a choice to continue and play at that point you're not yanking them away but you're kind of standing or holding the long line to prevent them to continuing and play and their only option at that point then is to come back to you so you if you repeat this process over and over and over and over again you start to become a more valuable choice because it's a more practiced choice and it is continuing through continually offering Um, setting up the environment so that you can offer this to them and therefore give them a high value reward as a result your dog's going to start to be conditioned to listen to you to recall from play and things like that yeah to sort of explain a bit kind of how self-rewarding works i won't get too technical when we reward our dogs it releases something called dopamine in their brains which is kind of like a feel-good hormone it makes them feel good anything that they like would also release dopamine so by them going off to play with the other dog that is giving them exactly the same feel good as when you give them a treat or a toy or anything like that and that's kind of without them having to do anything that somebody else has asked them to do see you're kind of fighting a double battle there because they're going off and they're getting that dopamine hit while not actually having to do what anybody else does or what anybody else wants them to do and the other thing is is i just just said something that i i put actually on my Instagram story once popped into my head while while you were talking because it talks about it's a really good way of explaining how kind of rewarding your dog and reinforcing a behavior works say for example you've got I don't know you've got two kids and every time they say mom 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 and you respond and go yes they go hi and run off if every time that happens you're going to stop responding to mum because you're going to go, I'm not bloody getting anything and they don't even ask me anything. If they just go, hi, nothing, and run off, what incentive have you got to answer them? That's what it's like for a dog if we're constantly calling them back from something that's self-rewarding and also don't have anything to give them in return. They're going to stop wanting to respond in the first place. Something that you said in there has has hit on something that that I find really, really useful. Uh, You said about having a cue of like okay to tell the dog that they can go and play and that kind of thing i call it a release cue um and it's something that i will start using very early on so like you know when you're in the stages of sit and down if if you put in a release cue so that the dog knows when they've finished what you ask them to do it makes to teaching things like stay an awful lot easier but what you can do is you can use those environmental things around you as rewards so you know if you have your your dog and they're kind of they are paying attention to you and restraining themselves from heading off to play you can then release them to go and play and you can actually use those environmental things you can release them to go and sniff and you're actually using what's around you then to to reinforce that learning because in those rare cases where you have dogs that actually genuinely don't respond to food or toys because a lot of the time by the way when people say my dog isn't food motivated or whatever but is in the house that's often a sign that they are food motivated we're just not training in the right way Um, but if your dog genuinely isn't in normal circumstances like in the house interested in food or toys or anything like that you can use the your, your your alternative is to use the environment around you exactly as jay is saying and then that's the kind of tool we're left with what they find interesting in the world around them and self-rewarding we can use those as training tools yeah it's it's the the sort of the the posh name for it is it's called the pre-mac principle 
of where you're using what the dog wants to do as a reward for to reinforce the behaviour that you're after. It's probably something we can go into more detail on at some, some later episode, but it is a really useful thing that you can add into your repertoire of rewards. Going back to the concept of releasing, one of the problems or the, the things that often doesn't go smoothly for people when they're, they're teaching recall is... I'm sure we've all had it where, you know, you call the dog, they come back, you offer the treat, they snatch the treat and run straight back to what they were doing. Yeah, I'm sure we, we've all been there and all sort of seen that. Yeah, thanks, yeah. Mum, bye. <laughs> yeah, I'll be back in five minutes for the next one. And, um, you know, they, they can get sort of really snatchy, which for a start with puppy teeth hurts. It, it doesn't actually make your recall mean anything. Because, you know, in a situation where you needed them to recall, they're going to come back, snatch the treat and off they go. So there's quite there's an easy sort of technique that we can use to stop that becoming a problem, what we call catch and release. So you recall the dog, they come up to you, you put a finger on their collar and then you feed their treat with the other hand. So you, you just, what you're actually teaching, they come to you, they wait for a split second, then they get the treat and then they're released to play again. That That is really oh, important. Also- when you release them back, say, okay, or yeah. go play. Use, use that And be consistent cue. with that word only in that circumstance, by the way. Otherwise, it can get confusing. But a good one is go sniff, go play. Um, and then your dog starts to... You're actually teaching a release cue. You're teaching them not to, to snatch treats. You're teaching them to actually come back and, and wait a second until you then go, okay, and go back off. And it's a, it, all of that encompasses... It, it, it helps with the overall recall training itself. Yeah, the other thing with um, with recall that I, I think is really important, there's the attitude with a lot of things that... Obviously, with most things that we coach, we do sort of phase out the rewards after a while. There are some cues that, for me personally, I always reward because they just are that important, and recall is one of them. Especially, I have two forms of recall for my dogs. I have the standard recall where... They can amble back over to me in their own time. But I also have what I call the emergency recall. And that's if I see they're about to get into danger, I use a dog whistle so that it always sounds the same every single time. And that means come back now. And they will always come back because that gets them a handful of the highest value treats I have. On We're, we're talking ham, we're talking cheese, we're talking bits of beef. And lots of it as well. Yeah, yeah, like a whole handful. For, yeah, Every time I have to use that emergency cue, it's a jackpot and... Honestly, the speed that my dog will come back when he hears that whistle. Such such a great tip, such a great tip. And I think a lot of people will will find that really, really useful. And if you're not sure how to train in a, a whistle, by the way, it's exactly the same way you teach the recall command. It's literally the same. Instead of saying come, you just blow the whistle. Yeah, I, I, I use a dog whistle for that just because that cue for me is so very important. That I want it to be identical every single time so he knows exactly what it means. And... He could be running along quite happily. He hears the whistle and it's a 180 degree turn and he's bombing back because he knows it is worth it. It's worth his time to come back. Yeah, that's the thing. That's a, that's, that's a really good point as well. Worth his time to come back. That is the aim of the game. We are building up our savings accounts over each word, rule of three, remember, so that the dog is incentivized and we're making it worth its while to come back so that we don't have to scream Fenton across <laughs> across Richmond Park, <laughs> which is where that was, um, and can just have that pretty reliable recall. Yeah, it, the chances, you cannot really say that 
every dog's recall is going to be 100% in every situation, which is why we manage it, which is why we use the things like the long lines, why we work so hard to establish this, because this for me is probably the most fundamentally important cue that you will ever teach your dog. Yeah, it's a big safety one as well. And a lot of the times I get asked when to stop using a long line. Well, I say you can stop using a long line when you no longer need to pick it up. And even then, you may need to bring it back in at some point because human nature is that we get a bit lazy. We stop rewarding our dogs as much. We kind of let them go off and self-reward a bit because we can't be bothered because it's a lot of faff. And that's when the recall starts to fail. And in that instance, I'd say, you know, bring that long line back in, up the ante with the training, go over the steps before. Your dog knows it will pick it up twice as quickly as it did before. But... If you don't want to use a long line forever, which is totally fine, and most people don't, I still do it with Luna when she's eight months, just because she's Finn's, Finn's five. Yeah, she's in that adolescent him. phase, and and I'm, you know, I she's got pretty good recall to be honest. Everyone always comments on it for a puppy in inverted commas, but she's eight months, and I don't, you know, we're still, we've just moved, we're in new areas, and I, I want to make sure that you know I've got control and safety uh, while we're getting to know the area and while she's kind of um, I think she's going to come into season soon and just you know a variety of reasons why I want to still use that however if I did ever remove it and I saw a few instances where the recall was failing I'd bring that straight back and I would always keep it in the car actually or somewhere you know if I'm out on a walk I sometimes even take it in my pocket my one's quite can, I can get in my pocket so I just take it out as a backup why not yes yeah, same here you know I've, I've got Every vehicle that we have in the house has a dog walking box in it. It has a harness and it has a long line. Yep. Just, you know, so that we've always got the kit that we need. You know, obviously like the spare treats, poo bags, you know, all the stuff that you gather. Because when you have dogs, you end up with poo bags in every single thing that you own, don't you? I think every single jacket of mine, I find a poo bag. Yeah. Even like my nice, like non-dog walking ones. I'm yeah. like, how? <laughs> how have you got in They there? breed somehow. I don't know. There's poo bags Honestly, everywhere. They either multiply or you can't find them in any pockets for some reason. You thought you had a hundred. Yeah, that's, usually, that's you're like, usually the one where you're standing there with your dog who is mid-action and you're like, oh no. <laughs> and that's when it's time to go and find a leaf. <laughs> and pick it up. The joys of having dogs. I know. We love them really. So we touched on earlier what to do if your dog isn't food motivated. And we talked about the pre principle. However, there are other types of rewards such as food um, that you can use that aren't food. Now, one of my favourite, favourite, favourite toys to use is the brand called Tug Enough. That's T-U-G-E-N-U-F-F. They are brilliant. I have a 10% off code, by the way, which is canine-friends. That works on all of their products because I really, really do absolutely love them and I use them all the time with my dogs. So what a toy like a Tug Enough does is it can... For example, Finn, which is um, Jay's dog, has a really high prey drive, as we touched on earlier. It can mimic and replicate and redirect that onto something like a Tug Enough Chaser Tug, which they have faux fur ones on the end. They have ones with rabbit fur and other types of fur, um, sheep's wool, all kinds of things. And it on the end of sort of like a long lead, you've got a hand on the end, then you've got like a lead bit. And then on the end of it, you've got what we call a bite area. And that bite area is what I said with faux fur, fur, different types of things. And that can be really, really rewarding and can provide that extra incentive for a dog that perhaps doesn't 
find food as motivating but does find something like a tug enough toy or even just enjoys the tug itself it doesn't have to be that they've got a high prey drive there's all different types of toys that they have the big twizzler is one of my favorites that's a really really big long one if you look it up you'll see what i mean um there's ones with little balls on the end but what's great about them is is they're quite long you can have a bit of fur on it you can have a ball on it and if you do throw it it stops and it lands and you don't throw it too fast you don't get that high speed up like with a ball chucker which is really really bad by the way for dogs um i've done a post on it on my instagram if you want to find out why you can go and find it there um but yes some the brands such as tug enough they've got a variety of toys can be a really really good way to for your dog to find something else rewarding in the moment and if you have got a dog that for example likes to run after rabbits birds things like that you're uh, what you're doing is you're allowing them to redirect that natural instinct that they have but you're enabling to redirect it onto something towards you something that's that's uh, cooperative and something that's bringing the dog back to you and rewarding their recall so instead of them you know getting that urge to want to chase that bit of prey you can kind of run this like little furry thing on the end of your lead along the ground and it's a really really rewarding thing for them to get engaged in chase and then at the end of it they get to bite it and then you enjoy a bit of tug and that can be something that is really really rewarding yeah Things like the tug enoughs are so great because you you can actually you can add movement to them. You can make them so much more interesting. You know, dogs are often, especially like my dog. He's a border collie. He's very visual. He's very visually stimulated. Anything that moves quickly, he's kind of on it because he wants to herd it. Or if it's a bunny, kill it. But <laughs> <laughs> poor bunnies. Yes. Thumper yes, and thumper co. And co yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you. Know, you it makes it much more eye-catching for them to get their attention and much more fun. And also, the great thing with Tug Toys is it's interactive play, so it's fun for both of you. You know, I, I really enjoy a good game of good game of Tug with my dogs. And uh, it doesn't yeah, make them dominant, by the way. I was literally <laughs> about to say that. And, and also, it's not... You're not... Your dog's not... If they're growling during this, it is normally a play growl. It is a normal vocalisation that a dog is doing during play. It's not It's not the growl as we know it. And a lot of people worry about that. And then a lot of people think, oh, my, my dog's going to start wanting to do this more and hanging off my arm. They're not. I promise they're not. I play with Tug all the time with Luna because she loves it. But she doesn't go and tug my sleeve. <laughs> no, it's it's... With dogs, everything is in context. So just because they really enjoy grabbing hold of a tug and playing tug with that, it doesn't mean they're going to grab your trouser legs and have you over. You know, you can teach them the things that they can. Sometimes puppies will, as I'm sure Louise knows all too well, sometimes puppies will sort of grab things that you don't want them to have. So you just direct them onto onto the tug, onto the toy that you want them to play with and show them what they can can do and it's really easy and i think we've got one final tip for you on today's podcast which is top tips for recall and the lovely jay is going to talk you through it yeah the last one is something that is called proofing or generalization a mistake that people often make when they are training their puppies adult dogs whatever is they teach a command or cue sorry they teach a cue and they think that that means because the dog understands it at home they think that means that the dog understands it everywhere and this isn't actually how it works just because 
your puppy knows what come means in the garden they don't know that it means the same thing out on the street or in the park or when there are dogs playing over there so we have to go through this process of what we call proofing and you start that out louise shows this off brilliantly in her puppy course again get the course it's fantastic <laughs> i don't pay her to say this <laughs> i'll send you 10 pound later yeah okay yeah <laughs> But you start off by, you teach the thing at home and then you start gradually teaching it in new areas or with more distractions going on. So once you've got your recall established in the garden at home, you might take it outside your house if you're on a quiet street or you might go to a very quiet park where there's just sort of one or two people and then you gradually increase the distractions so you go to a slightly busier area of the park where there's maybe two or three dogs there's some people over there you know sort of a distance away and you'll gradually move closer and closer and add in more and more distractions each time keeping working on it until the recall is really well established at that level of distraction and it's, it really is a slow and gradual increase and always setting the dog up for success. I think this point, in my opinion, is one of the most important, actually, and one of the most often missed. Um, and it's one of the things where it's why people get stuck on recall, to be honest. They expect too much too soon. They don't offer enough incentive. They don't... Um, give the puppy chance or dog it doesn't matter whatever it is they don't give the dog chance to work this out in different environments and they are often expecting far too much of them for example you know they've practiced the recall command a couple of times at home and they expect them to recall from play from eight dogs in the park it's not going to happen well like we mentioned with the savings account the saving a savings account accumulates over time you add little by little by little. That is how you are reinforcing this to make it stronger. Imagine one of the my favorite analogies to, to describe how to reinforce something is a bit like a rope. A rope is made up of lots of thin bits of string, actually. If you've got three bits of string, or you've practiced recall three times, and you pull, try to pull a car along with that bit of string slash rope, it's going to break. But if you add in lots and lots and lots and lots of strings into this rope so it therefore becomes reinforced i.e stronger you then can use it in a more challenging context that is how reinforcement works yeah what gets reinforced gets repeated Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's another way that you often hear it said and something else that is a really good way to help when you are upping those distraction levels is to up the incentive So when you go out and all of a sudden you've got more distractions about, make what you're paying out more valuable. So go to those bits of ham, bits of cheese, the the really good stuff that they are going to want to override those extra distractions. Don't expect your dog to come back for a bit of its kibble in those situations. It's unlikely it's going to happen and it may well happen at first, but when they know it's something that's actually not as rewarding as playing, they're probably not going to come back. So... You hear often high value reward. First of all, high value is what your dog deems high value, not you. <laughs> for some dogs, it's something like a tug enough toy. For others, it's the environment around them. For others, it's food rewards. Now, the most important thing and the biggest tip I could give you when it comes to food based high value rewards is don't use dried treats. 
a lot of what dogs find rewarding is smell, not just taste and texture. And dry treats don't smell as strong as something like sausages or cheese or ham. They don't have as much of a good smell. So you're missing out on a big proportion of what they're finding rewarding there. And also, uh, would you would you rather have as a treat some cereal or would you rather have your favourite chocolate bar? It is the same thing for them. Don't give the dogs chocolate, as we all know. <laughs> but it's not. It's just not going to be as incentivizing, is it? It's a bit crunchy, it's dry, it's boring. Actually, I'd rather just have a slice of pizza. Yeah, completely. It, it really is... Whenever, any time that you are teaching something new, you always want to start off with something that, going back to this point we made earlier, that really makes it worth the dog's while to do what it is that, that you're asking. And as they become more used to it at that level, then, yeah, you can sort of come down the, the levels a bit. Um, but, yeah, not 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 their kibble. They're generally not going to find that very stimulating at all. Yeah, I mean, my I think my last point would be um, just to touch on what we call an inter- intermittent reinforcer. So once you've got something that's really, really strongly reinforced, you practice it loads, you've got a load of savings. What you can actually do to really proof that, um, say, recall command, to, to really get the difference between that sort of sort of all right recall and that really, really good recall is, is kind of what Derek Jay touched on earlier with the whistle. So you can... reward the high value the really good recalls those ones where your dog is really running back really really fast and actually not reward or give a lesser value reward for the ones when your dog idles on back and at that point your dog goes well for the last six months she's given me sausage every time I come back but now she's only given me sausage the times I run back and they start to then go to the next level and differentiate between the meandering back and the running back and that's how you then get it onto the next level because you're putting them on an intermittent reinforcer i.e reinforcing the ones you're really after and because of the previous historical evidence of what you've rewarded prior to that the dog then understands what you're asking which is the perfection element of it and that's how to get that rock solid recall but that is only after months of hard work yeah, and you've also touched on to one of my favourite, favourite topics when it comes to training uh, is that you're, you're then shaping the recall. So you're rewarding the the closest sort of recall to what you really want, which is that's coming back really quickly. And so when you're rewarding that at a higher value, like Louise says, the dog's going to go, well, hang on a minute. If I do that, I get sausages. If I do that, I get kibble. It, it's it's just it makes it really easy for the dog to know exactly what it is that we want from them yeah and i think my last and final point is your dog doesn't need to sit when you recall them back you're that if you recall them back and make them sit you're avoiding the sit not the recall yeah 100 percent. you see that so often don't you people call them back and they go oh yeah okay good boy sit and they hand over the reward and you you need your reward to be I'm going to use a long word now, contiguous, which means that the behaviour happens, the reward happens. So because the dog needs to associate the two together really strongly. Now, timing can be a bit tricky. So, you know, there will be an episode coming up when we will look at how to use things like secondary reinforcers. One of my favourite things ever, clicker training. I could talk about it for hours. Love it. Me too. Yeah, I know you love it as well. Um, but yeah, that that is the thing you're 
reinforce your reward has to closely follow the behaviour so that the dog can make the association. If there's five seconds between them coming back and you giving them the, the reward, what's happened in those five seconds since? Because any one of those things could be what the dog ends up associating that reward with. Yeah, It's literally like arrival reward have it ready equally don't have your tree and your hand open bribing the dog to come back have it in your hand ready but up and out of reach and kind of in your hand maybe with your arms crossed or maybe even have your hand in your in your treat pocket if, if you want and then as soon as that de- dog gets back that treat comes down to their level or you can throw it on the ground some dogs really love sniffing luna loves kind of finding the treat on the ground so she finds it often more rewarding if i throw the treat on the ground because she then gets to use her nose as well so mix it up as well but then you're actually you're going back to another type of reward because you're looking at luna's a spaniel so you're looking at sort of breed specific kind of rewards there because you know she's a breed who likes sniffing things out so there are so many different ways to reward yep and this as you can understand we this is probably going to be what i I imagine nearly a 45 minute circa podcast today and we've only touched the surface so you can see how just practicing fido come 10 times in your garden does not equal that perfect recall no there is so much more that goes into it's not a difficult process as long as you understand the steps that go into it and and making what you actually want and as i said earlier i've just launched my online recall course well at the time of recording anyway so i hope you found our top tips for recall helpful we try to sort of come up with things that you'd find most useful as a listener and and are able to most articulate over the platform of a podcast but as always you can follow us on both our social medias i am at canine friends uk on both instagram tiktok even and facebook and i'm always putting up top tips um, I have a live Q&A every Monday, um, which I put up and answer any questions you might have as well. And you can find me on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter at Blue Mile Minion, or you can find me through the website goodguardianship.com. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, if you want to hear any other topics, you've got any questions, get in touch with either of us. And we really hope you've enjoyed this episode of the For Dog's Sake podcast. Mm-hmm.